0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
1: Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. I'll be taking your calls on everything from tomatoes, cucumbers and trees without leaves. We've also got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden Not forgetting Plant of the Week. We'll go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Ashley from West Mersey. Hello. What can we do for you?
2: Um, I've got a peach tree with a problem. Um, Something I grew from a pip. Uh Uh-huh. Six years old, I should say. Um, It's fruited for a couple of years. Got very good fruit. Um, And then one year in between, which wasn't very special. But this year, it was loaded with fruit, um, nearly ready to ripen. Uh, They've all gone red. And now it's just died.
1: What, the whole tree? Yeah. Is it in the ground or in a container?
2: No, it's in the ground
1: in the ground. It's just died. And you haven't yeah. been away, you haven't been on holiday or anything like that, so it hasn't got watered or attended to.
2: No, no, I didn't been neglected. Just, uh, well, there was a dry spell there I suppose where it did get a bit dry but I that, have thought that it was long that, enough to affect it to be honest.
1: There's nothing that, I mean what you're describing is just happens but shouldn't happen to a young peach tree that's only that so many years old, six years old or something you said it was. Um, what happened to the fruit? Did the fruit actually finish ripening or not even get to ripen?
2: No, it's just hanging on the tree now, all red and shrivelled.
1: And what did the leaf do?
2: Hanged all limp.
1: It went limp?
2: Yeah.
1: You see, that is usually a sign of something in the roots. Where it goes limp, it's usually either... It sounds like a sort of overwatering. Is that at all possible?
2: I don't think I over it. No, because...
1: Yeah. Plants going limp. You see, it's a physiological disorder. It's a root problem. Something's gone wrong with the roots of the plant if they've gone limp and drooped. So it's still still alive. The worst thing you can do is keep watering it. If the soil is moist, particularly with the amount of rain that we've had around it, I would definitely get rid of the fruit, take the fruit off, because it's not going to ripen much now, is it?
2: No,
1: no. Get the fruit off it and then leave and see what happens and come back to me. But I honestly, I don't and can't think of anything that would just kill it like that. In in As you're describing, it's a root problem, definitely. And it's usually a sign of overwatering, but it doesn't sound quite right to me.
2: That's all, right. all clay soil, so it should sort of hold well, the, water, the soil, shouldn't yes, it? Yes,
1: it does, you know. And uh, with the rain that we've had recently, um, I would have thought it shouldn't be a major problem. Can yeah. you keep an eye on it and come back to me, Ashley? So you say at the, the, the moment the leaves are just drooping or they've they've, they've died, the leaves? So
2: they're just hanging there all limp.
1: Limp, right. Don't water it and... Leave well alone. Come back to me in, say, two weeks and let me know what has happened to the leaf, whether the leaf and whether you've got any new growth coming from the base of those uh, branches. All right? Um, okay. No instant answer for you, I'm afraid, Ashley.
2: <laughs> I've got right. other fruit trees with problems. So you uh, Can Sorry? I ask you now?
1: Yes, course you can. Go, go with it.
2: <clears throat> I've got some, a plum and apple and a pear and a cherry to put mm-hmm. in these big pots. Yes. No. The the uh, the pear is very good. I, actually I put it in the ground that's, that's, that's to give it more chance and that's fruit every year. But the rest of them they've just died well not died but not fruited.
1: So hang on these are in pots now you say.
2: Well, no, not now, because I've took them out to give them a chance in the garden. But, oh,
1: they were in right. pots, and you've taken them out. Right, okay, fruit this year, very mixed, um, depending on pollination because of the temperatures at that part of the year. If you, When did you rip, put them into the ground, this year?
2: No, no, about uh, three years ago.
1: Three years ago, right. And you say the pear is produced a little and the apple, what was it, pear, apple and?
2: Ch- cherry, apple, plum.
1: Cherry apple plant. Now, have they produced fruit? They produce fruit quite comfortably in the past. Yes. No.
2: Only the pear.
1: Only the pear. Right. Well, the apple might need a pollinator, but you don't know. The cherry. Do you know the variety of cherry? Not a fan. No. Right. Okay. Um, I would suggest that the thing that you do now is give them a good potash feed now. at perhaps this month and the beginning of September and then come March, give them a bit more potash. All right. And try and encourage some fruit buds. But basically this year, strange pollinations, cherries, did it get flower at all?
2: Yeah, I got a few fruit on it, but uh, very, very few. uh, Right.
1: Hang on in there and give it a bit of a potash feed and see how you get on with it. Okay, Ashley?
2: But the apple, that just had a couple on and fizzled out.
1: Right, but it hasn't died. The tree hasn't died.
2: No, the plum's just gone up to the heavens with long.
1: Right. Well, you can you can cut those back by a third. Those rising branches, cut those back by a third at this time of the year. The plum and the cherry. If you want to prune, do plum and cherry, but leave right. the but leave the apple alone for this year. Okay. it doke. Thank you, Ashy, and keep us in touch, especially about that uh, that one in the container. The um, the peach, and we'll find out a bit more about that in the future. Hopefully, Angie in South End, more trees. What are you on pear tree? What's up with your pear tree, Angie?
3: Um, the pe- uh, pears are forming absolutely beautifully, not many, but a yep. few, and then they're just dropping. So, I don't know why that is. It's uh, right. nothing wrong with the tree.
1: Do you know what the tree is?
3: No, I don't know the variety. Right, okay,
1: so uh, if, uh, if you, herms, hang on, um, if you if you went out to your pear tree
3: um,
1: and lifted the fruit, would it come off in your hand?
3: Um, not the ones that are on there at the moment, no.
1: Because what you're describing, when did they all start dropping? Are they small plums or large plum? Uh, large pears, I mean, sorry.
3: Um, not very large.
1: Right. The, the,
3: uh, you would think that they would start uh, getting bigger and bigger now.
1: Right. Oh, but the ones that are left are growing quite well. Yeah. I think nature is sorting itself out. It's actually thinning. Have you got a lot of pears on the tree?
3: No, only a handful.
1: Only a handful? Is it a big tree or a little tree?
3: It's a big tree. I would say about 10 foot tall.
1: And it's only got a few pears and some of them are dropping. Yeah. It could be that uh it could be anything from lack of water I know it's rained recently, but it didn't. It was very dry conditions earlier on.
3: I was watering it um almost every day.
1: Yeah, a lot? Uh
3: no, no, enough that it would um soak into the ground.
1: Yeah, you see the roots are a long way down. Yeah. I would I would if it were me, I would check that the pears are on it are not ripe right by just lifting them to see if they come off. Yeah. especially as we don't know what pair it is, because some will start to be ready during August, yeah?
3: Not the round ones. They're not the commies. They're the... Oh, um, the
1: conference?
3: Conference.
1: Conference. Now, conference are, start to appear this month, you see, so that's why I'm thinking they could be getting towards being ripe, because they ripen up in during August, yeah? Mm. Mm. Uh, anyway, there's, there's really... It's normally nature thins itself out, so if the tree has dried out, it will drop some of its fruit.
3: The leaves are, are beautiful.
1: So it sounds like you're doing a good job on the tree and you haven't fed it with anything at all, no?
3: No, no. no.
1: OK. Right.
3: And um, OK, yeah.
1: We can't do anything else for that. What else have you got for us
3: then? Um, I've got a beautiful jasmine tree.
1: Tree? And it's uh, or...
3: just spreading like wildfire, but I've got more leaves than flowers. Are you, feeding, wrong? are you feeding?
1: Are you feeding it that with anything? This is outdoor and it's up against the fence? Is it
3: outdoor by the fence, um, sprawling like mad?
1: And you're not not many.
3: It has got flowers and beautifully scented flowers, but not very many.
1: Right, and you're not feeding it with anything.
3: Not, no, no, nature's doing it.
1: Right well all you can do with to encourage flower is feed it with a high potash feed something like a, tom- a tomato food and this will that's encourage right. more flower and that's all you can do for a jasmine
3: Okay feed it with tomatoite
1: Yeah and if it gets trailing and, and sort of uh, wispy bits out the end just pinch those back to encourage um, the plant to flower a bit more
3: Okay so cut it down but feed it No with- don't
1: cut it down just pinch the tips back Okay, Not,
3: don't All cut right. it back. We'll go.
1: Let's look at plant of the week, and this week I'm looking at Clariodendron trichotomum. Now, um, it's called glory flower or even bleeding heart. There's about 30 species, and they're native to places like Sri Lanka. They like tropical warm conditions. You can tell that from where they're from. I just said South Africa, Asia, you know. So don't plant them if you're in really cold, nasty, cold, wet conditions because they don't like it. They like full sun, best facing south. Need a bit of shelter in exposed areas, so you might need to shelter them, particularly in the winter period. Mustn't, and I've just said, be wet, horrible, wet, clammy ground. They like well-drained soil, uh, but will tolerate basically any soil and they're disease-free. So what about them? Well, they'll grow um, some of the varieties, uh, 6 to 15 feet, so they become, if they're in in a a sheltered area, they can grow into quite a small tree, 15 foot high, Um, and they can suckle from the roots, which can be a bit of a problem, but generally you keep them as a shrub up to about 6 foot high. They're great because they attract butterflies, um, although... Uh, there is a scent, not exciting, but uh, the white one is particularly fragrant. So, and that has a corolla, a tube, five lobes, flowers are coloured. Other ones, I talked about the white being fragrant, but there are reds and pinks as well, and the stamens come in a couple of pairs. The fruit, which is really what I would grow it for, are fantastic. Four lobes, crimson and turquoise with the seed in the middle. Absolutely phenomenal for a winter. Something in the winter to look at. They really are great. So they are Cloridendron. Go out and get one this time of the year and then you'll enjoy it through the winter period. Let's go straight now to Jack in stamford hope Jack, what can we do for you, sir?
4: Uh, Good morning, Ken. Uh, After that, I've got a nice easy one for you. Yep. Uh, I've been growing tomatoes and cucumbers indoors and out. Right. Uh, What I want to know (coughs) is why do... the skins are tougher than what you get from the shop <laughs> that's all yeah. i want to know
1: <laughs> there's it's in theory it's variety it, it it's the variety you're growing in theory that's all it should be or the speed that the fruit has grown does that make sense uh, well, how can I slow it down? Well, you can't. You uh, well, no, you no. the problem is it has grown fairly slowly this year. They haven't grown very quickly, tomatoes, because of the temperature fluctuations, etc. They've not come on to red very quickly this year, have they? No. And that either. is, I think that's one of the extra problems. There's nothing you can do at all. I must agree that, you know, I've tried uh, tomatoes out of gardens, and in fact... Um, Some I have found are quite soft skin and another one I found was very tough indeed. Uh, There's really nothing you can do um, at all. And it'll be an interesting one. If anybody's got, let's ask the county, they can give me a call. And if they're growing tomatoes and they've got one growing in their garden, they find it's a really soft skinned tomato. Should we see if we can find out what it is? They needn't even talk to me on air. They can actually just ring Laura and say, I'm growing this and it's a really soft one. How about that, Jack? Should we try it?
4: That'd be lovely, yeah. Thank
1: we'll you. see what we can find out. They can they can text, they can do whatever they like, get hold of us and let us know if they've got a variety with a really soft skin that they can help Jack out with. Right, and cucumbers... sweet enough, of course. <laughs> and sweet enough, yes. Cucumbers yeah. are the same. You'll find the cucumbers same, are the see. same. So, I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're beautiful,
4: they're lovely tasting, but yeah. they're better
1: with the skin off. Yes. Well, I, mind you, I think cucumbers are better with the skin off anyway. But uh, Oh,
4: right. I which one I... are you
1: growing outdoors out of interest?
4: Uh, burpless,
1: and it burpless, and it's 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 a good one. Burpless does produce quite a thick skin, though, doesn't it?
4: it, it oh, does it really? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, it is quite a, I, quite thick. Does it doesn't
4: repeat. On people, different people have said it doesn't repeat. No, it's not supposed to. Like some huh? some do.
1: Yeah. Oh, good one, Jack. We'll see if we can find out. Come on then, okay. County. ask if... you
4: a quick one about yeah of blueberries. You
1: can. Yep. What would you like I've, to know?
4: I've got a blueberry tree a bush in, the, in a bit, massive pot. Yep. I've had a tremendous crop of it the last Great. two or three years but this year the, the leaves seem to have all dropped after the after the fruit's finished and I've yeah. picked them all, the, the leaves are all dropping off. Is that normal?
1: Have they got new growth? Is there new growth coming?
4: I can't see any, no.
1: Ah, well, that isn't normal then. Um, they haven't dried out. You haven't let them dry out, you don't no, think? No,
4: I'm quite particular with it, with the, with the rainwater and uh, making sure they don't that's, dry.
1: To me, that's a little bit worrying because they shouldn't, do that at all, because normally you get great autumn colours with them, let's face it, they're a lovely... That's right, normally I
4: can can see leaves, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I would scrape the bark and just see if they're alive underneath, if not it could be a root problem, you want to look for any pest in the pot, but don't do that unless you know it's alive or dead. If it's alive, it could have just, something gone wrong with the watering for a week or something, Um, we've had some awful weather, but I don't think it's it's not weather-related, what you're describing.
4: Right, OK, I'll, uh, but, I'll investigate.
1: Yeah, and come back to me and let me know if there's anything down the, by the roots. But don't do that unless you know that it is dead. In okay, other words, okay. if you can see whether it's alive or dead when you scrape the bark.
4: Right, we will do.
1: OK, thank you, Jack.
4: Thank you very much.
1: That's Jack from Stanford, The Hope. And we go to Joy in Benfleet. Hello, Joy.
5: Oh, hello. Um, two questions, if I can ask you, please. Mm-hmm. Um, one is about a peony. Yeah. Um, it was um, very many years old, and my sister and I took a cutting from it. Hers went in the garden, mine in a large pot, because I've got a lot of squirrels and badgers here. Right, yeah. And um, this year, just this year, um, the buds formed, but um, the flowers didn't. It just went brown. The buds went brown. What would that be, please?
1: There is a... There is. Um Something that can attack the the peony bud um, at an early stage, and then they just go off. It's nothing. I don't think you've done wrong at all. Um, it's it it is a problem. I can't think of the actual bug, but there is one that attacks a peony bud. Oh, yeah?
5: Yes, well, all of the buds it would attack then. It could do yes. Yeah, it's just
1: an it's just. A, did you get any flare?
5: Not, not one, not at one, all, no. yeah. So, year and it's many years old,
1: yeah. And this is the first year it's done it,
5: the yeah, first year, yeah. And
1: hers is all right, definitely. Yes,
5: hers is all right, but it's in the garden, but mine's in a pot, yeah.
1: It's not Large necessary pot. because it's in a pot, unless you let it dry out just for literally a week, because then the bud couldn't. What happens then is the stem will wither a bit and won't allow the sap to get up to the bud. That's the um, other possibility.
5: Yes, well, I do look after it because it's many years old and I yeah. don't want to lose it. No. Um, but I wondered if it was um, too much rain outside or no. what.
1: Could, no, don't worry no. about rain at all. Cut those... Uh, have you left the buds on?
5: Um, yes, I have. I no, haven't cut rid- the leaves off or anything at no. the moment.
1: No, get rid of the buds. If they're not open, just get rid of them, cut them off and get rid of them completely.
5: Oh, yes, so you reckon it'll come out next yep. year? Yep,
6: yep, will right.
5: do. Right, right. And the other question, please, thank you for the answer um um we've got um two victoria trees and uh, three other plum trees mm-hmm. and many damson trees in the um um plot here um, um but this last year they had um um just the uh, plum trees not the damsons because they're prolific um we had a rest year but this year um i don't think i'll be able to make any plum jam because we bought a, um, a plum um Fruit moth trap. Yep, two of them. Yes, I put them in two trees, but it's made no difference at all. Just a waste of money. And I've opened a few to eat, and they're full of the little pink maggots inside. Right.
1: When did you what put them? Be? When did well When did you put the uh, When did you put the traps up? Um,
5: about April time, I think. So I'm you put
1: them sure. up when they were flowering. Um,
5: I'm not sure about that. i just ask. My See husband. if you miss it. Yeah, what well, I'm getting minute, at. I'll, well. We put it when it said on the packet. Yeah, well, you
1: see, what here? This is the trouble with gardens, you know. Plants don't read packets, you see, and it's like they don't read books, you see. So what you have to do is you must get that moth trap up just before or just at the time when the plum is flowering. You've only got to put it in a bit late and you'll miss
5: Oh yes, when it's just flowering.
1: Yes, just before it's flowering preferably. So when you see the first flower, that's the time to put the moth trap up. Before and now flower. also if you've got a, a lot of plums in that garden, you're going to take you're going to need you put two plum moth traps up. And these are the fer- right. pheromone traps, yes, that's for plum moths. Yes. Yeah. You'll need at least two and you we won't
5: have two. We have got two,
1: yes. Yeah. You won't clear it in one year either. It oh, will take right. you a couple of years, but they, you will see an improvement.
5: Oh yes, because two years ago um, we didn't have, an, and I made a load of plum jam. So yeah. um, uh, this year <laughs> they must be. I won't be able to make any because you know you've only got oh, about waste, one out of five plums or something. Oh, um, that's sad. Um, uh, maggots, like you yeah. know. Yeah,
1: if not, you've got the moth, the, the the moth maggot in in your plum jam.
5: Yeah, well, I always cut them open, obviously. But you don't get them in the damsons. Why would that be? No,
1: damsons are much different fruit. Usually, the plum is a much softer, uh, softer sort of fruit. No, damsons usually don't seem to get it.
5: No, no. Right. Um, um, My husband was just asking me something else, but I can't remember what he asked me now. Oh, about the spray. Um, We don't want to spray, but if we did, what would be the best spray? There
1: There isn't a spray for you. No spray for you. No. No, you're not. Your, um, no, no you,
5: that you know of,
1: no. no. No, You've got to use a moth trap. All
5: right. So we put the moth traps up um, as, next soon as, year you, or as soon
1: as you see that flower. As
5: Soon as okay. you see the flower. Well, thank you so much for your help. For That's kind a pleasure. Of
1: you. Okay, thank
4: then.
1: Yes, bye. Uh, bye. That's Joy from Benfleet. And we go to George in Dagenham. Hello, George.
0: Good morning, Ken. Nice uh, to speak to you again.
1: Right. Um, what are we talking about today?
0: Well, it's not so much a problem, just a mystery. I sow Brussels sprouts regularly each year round about uh, beginning to the end of March. Yeah. And and I have um, medium success come November, December. But this year, I've sown exactly the same way, and I picked my first Brussels sprouts (laughs) yesterday. And I just cannot believe it we're just in the middle of August and I'm picking ruffle well, sprouts, which I normally pick for
1: Christmas. Yeah, but come on, come on. What, what's, what's the weather been like? Seriously, I mean, yeah, yeah, we've been uh, walking about, you walk about a garden and you say, blimmin' heck, it's light like autumn, <laughs> isn't it?
0: And it,
1: it, it is, isn't it?
0: And it's, so obviously it's the weather.
1: I think it's weather-related. It's all over the place. And we have, you know, you think of the night temperatures they're telling us. Someone I met this week said that, okay, they weren't in this part of the country. They were farther up the country, but they're not in Scotland or north, you know, right in the north. They were saying they had an overnight temperature of eight degrees um, last week. Now, eight degrees up there might give us about a nine down here or a ten. Now, if you get a nine or ten, that's very autumnal weather. You know, it's coldish. I'm sure it is just just weather-related. Brilliant.
0: Absolutely lovely.
1: Oh, that's great, you see, but you'll have to... Don't tell me you're going to have to freeze them to get them to Christmas.
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Because uh, uh, they
1: won't last till Christmas, will they? No, not for yeah, this
0: no. right. <laughs> George, <laughs> no, I, I just fascinated. Me. Yeah,
1: what variety are you growing out of interest? Brilliant. Yeah, and they brilliant. Are brilliant, brilliant, yes. and a brilliant and good flavour. Yeah.
0: Indeed. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's what's important, isn't okay. it?
0: It's just one other thing. Uh, if yeah. I if I may, can, yes, of course, um, George. Dahlias. Yes. Um, I I normally uh, dig up the the tubers. And keep them in the shed over the winter, etc. Over the years, um, this year um, I've got some dahlias put on my allotment plot, which are lovely, really lovely, and others they just plenty of leaf, but they're just blind. What is the cause of? Uh, the dahlias going blind no
1: flowers exactly. well they they shouldn't at all i mean the dahlias are grown for a flower um, are you feeding them with say a high potash feed at all because they they're very no, actually,
0: hungry I have you fed uh, them? them at all ah
1: that's I your problem no if i don't know if you've ever heard dave gillam he's on next week actually so you'll have to ring back and ask him if he if if i give the wrong answer but um, Dave says they're so hungry. They are the, one of the hungriest really? uh, flowers on the market and they need loads of water and loads of food. So if you start giving those particularly a good tomato food, that should okay. induce them into flower. And I reckon you'll get them into flower within three weeks.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. right. Okay. I will, I will certainly do that. Okay. Well, yes, thanks very much indeed. And
1: listen and, now, Dave, and as I say, Dave Gillums on next week, so if you think of anything else on your daily, he's our daily man. Okay? Right.
0: Okay. Thanks very
1: much indeed. I'll be back to your gardening questions in just a little while, but on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I'm going to give you a couple of tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden. Now, I've been going around gardens this week, and I'll tell you what, it's like blooming autumn. So I've got out my blower, but we look after big, big gardens, but you don't do that. But there'll be plenty of leaf down on the ground. Rake it up, clear it up, and get it onto the compost heap. You don't want your garden looking like it's autumn. Also, if you leave leaves on your lawn, particularly when they're damp, they're going to cause trouble. So get rid of them and be careful where you've got fruit trees and you've got brown rot. Now, you know brown rot because brown rot is that where it goes Brown, would you believe, and then has pustules, whitish, creamish pustules on the fruit, and the leaves uh, get sort of brown patches on them. If you've got that, see that those leaves do not go onto your compost heap. Put those, well, give them to the council, they love having rotten leaves. And don't forget, all that fruit needs to go as well, because if not, you will spread it about. It's been damp. Cut your lawn regularly. Just because it's damp doesn't mean you can't cut it. Keep it well cut, but not too short. And that's really important at this time of the year because if we get a dry spell through the the back end of this month and into September, which you never know, you want to encourage that grass to grow so it's nice and strong as we go into the autumn. You could give it another feed, particularly now it's had a nice drop of rain. And more importantly than anything, is see that you edge the lawn. Go around with the edging shears, and if you've got some bad edges, get that half-moon edging iron out and cut new edges, just on those bits that are looking bad. A a cut and hoed edge will set your lawn off. There, are a couple of tips for you. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
7: Brian in Kelvin, and hello, Brian. That's me. hello again, Ken. Uh, I, this might be a bit of help with someone, and I like your comments on it. I had, I have a pear tree in my garden, about 20 foot high, about 70 years old, mm-hmm. 60, 70 years old. Some years ago, we started losing pears, it's a Williams, losing pears of it, and this went over a period of years, and eventually they was coming off black, black ends, black ends dropping everywhere. Yep, yep. I was talking to a... A tree surgeon who was doing my hedges. Mm-hmm. I showed him the tree, and I said, "No, anything I can do with it." He looked at it. He said, "Well, an old boy told him some years ago, the tree is is starving. It wants food. It wants sugar." He said, "The best thing you can do is get some sugar, melt it, and dissolve it, and pour it away from the tree so it's at, no a sort of a couple of meters out. So it's yeah, in the, the feed roots." And as much as you can. Well, I've done this to this tree, and it cost me three bags of sugar. Yeah. And um, that was about four years ago. And each year, the fruit has improved. The fruit has improved. And this year, we've got some beautiful fruit on it. No sign of disease. Nothing. Your <laughs> comments. <laughs> well, my
1: comments are: I've never heard of it being done. <laughs> I. It's not something I would personally recommend. I mean, I, I agree. Trees, and I think we forget that trees do need food. They do need food, and I, I mean, one of the things I always recommend is Vitax Q4. And again, you have to come out from the tree to where the feeder roots are, because the feeder roots are out where the canopy of the tree is. And I drive a pole down, drop Vitax Q4 down that hole, and then seal it over again, and that gets the roots. And that often brings them back into producing uh, fruit as well. So it might be a similar sort of trick and something in that sugar is affecting it. Brian, that's <laughs>
7: interesting. It, it certainly seemed to work. Well, <laughs> there you are.
1: Brian, this program is all about passing on. Um, I was, is that an old wife? It's an old, what we call an old wives tale, isn't it, Brian? Sorry.
0: Correct, yeah,
1: correct. <laughs> or an old boy's tale. <laughs>
7: an old boy's tale can comes from, an old, from a, a, an old gardener to a young tree surface.
1: Lovely. Brian, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, thank you again. All nice the best. You. That's Brian from Kelverdon, feeding sugar to pear trees. I've not heard of that one. Have you? Anyway, Trevor from
8: uh, Satan Boys. Hello, Trevor. Good morning to you, Ken. A uh, Question on runner beans. Yeah, um, I've been growing runner beans for years, and I decided this year to grow Firestorm and Snowstorm. Yep. Now these are the self-fertile beans. Um, I've also grown Guinness and White Lady, which I've grown for years. White Lady my f-
1: f- White Lady's yeah, my yeah, favourite. Lady.
8: And Guinness, then they do actually go to about two foot long, like they did last year. But this year, I've been suffering with the beans, as soon as they get to about six inches long, podding up, and the, especially the firestorm and snowstorm. You can't eat them after they've got about six inches, and it's just thick with seeds. Any ideas?
1: Well, in theory, what you're describing has got to be weather-related, because yeah. um, they're reacting to the weather. There's no other reason. I mean, in theory, you, you could say in a dryish year, you'd say, well, it's a watering issue. Yeah,
8: yeah, but it, in a wet year, it's a wet issue.
1: Well, no, not really. No, they do something different. I think at the moment we have had fluctuating temperatures this summer. And we're having fluctuating weather pattern, and I think it's causing incredible differences on how things are growing. I mean, that's an unusual one that what you're describing. But what you are describing is the bean is trying, is thinks it's going into autumn, and therefore it's producing its seed quicker than it normally would. It's lacking a bit of uh, nutrient and water. It sounds like, but of course, you're. uh, Don't tell me you're watering it all uh, on a regular basis, aren't you?
8: Uh, Until the rain came, yes. Yeah, Yeah. but watch the rain
1: because the rain is never as good as it looks, if that makes sense. Does
8: that? No, I'm putting my finger down there to make sure they're nice and
1: damp. Good, that's really important.
8: Yeah, I mean, the White Lady and the Guinness, even those are podding up, um, which is unusual. They have never done that before.
1: No, because White Lady particularly is a good one for late sowing because you can sow that quite late and say that in July and get a get production of bean all the way Absolutely. through to October, can't you? Yeah? Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah. No problem. Well,
1: I would just enjoy what you've got, but get them before they pod up. And And can you keep yeah. me in touch and let me know whether you get any improvement? If we, I mean, we've got a bit of sunny weather coming, I think, in the next week. Um, well, they've been... been
8: podding up for quite a long time now, kid. Yeah. I mean, the firestorm and snowstorm, uh, yeah. right from day one, have always podded up. They've never really set a bean, a nice bean.
1: I can't no. think anything else but weather-related. I really yeah. can't. No.
8: Well, I might be growing them next
1: year. No. Go for, for a, sure. anyway, go for so a different one. We, Thanks very much, Trevor. Hang
8: on, Ken, before we yep. go. Um, Sorry? Tomatoes. tomatoes. Yes. Tomatoes. Uh-huh. You know, previous call, I was talking about tomatoes outside of the greenhouse. Skins, house. yes. Yeah. Well... I've got tomatoes growing inside the greenhouse, yep. and they're absolutely gorgeous. So I'd like to. Would you let me call out what I've got? Yeah, what?
1: what And these have got thinnish skins. You're saying, and these are inside.
8: Oh, beautiful! Yeah, yeah. You can just pick them off the vine and eat them straight right. away. Right. What variety you've Every grown them? In? Right. I've got sweet aperitif. Yep. Um, I've then got um, apero.
1: Apero. Yep.
8: Then I've got golden crown. They are, they are a yellow tomato. Yeah. And I've got a cado, or Kado. That's a large red, medium-large red, beautiful for cooking and everything else, and black cherry. And black cherry. And black cherry is absolutely gorgeous.
1: Right, and what you're saying is that they definitely haven't got a thick no, skin.
8: No, none of them have. And uh, I have to say that yep. um, I am using... The watering system um, from a company called Two Wests and Elliot in yep. their troughs, and you put a uh, a wick down, and you just feed the trough with water. Watering and, into- uh,
1: and watering yeah. does affect how. I mean, I said feed water is how you also yeah. affect the skin on the speed that it 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 grows and produces its fruit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Absolutely. interesting. So hopefully he's listening and he's picked up a few tips there.
8: No, and, well, and anybody else, because these are—I mean—the um, the sweet teeth and apero yep. are very small tomatoes. And get a watering size.
1: And get a watering yeah. system is the answer as well. It sounds like Trevor. Thank you very much for that. I'm going to trundle on because I've got a lot of calls to answer here, but uh, it doesn't stop you from ringing on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. And we're going to be talking to Deborah. Deborah Peach Trees.
3: Yes. Good. Good morning. Um, my friend has got a peach tree which I planted for her. Must be about five, six years ago. Okay. But the, the last couple of years, it's been dropping the fruit before it's ripened. And she had somebody look at it, and she was told that she was to the only thing she could do was to cut it down, and dig the roots up, because it's got a disease in the roots.
1: Dropping fruit before. Hadn't she tried anything else before that? Not
3: as far as I'm aware. She's in a wheelchair, so she she's limited
1: to what she can do. See, I'd have I'd have wondered if dropping fruit before it's ready, um, is normally water related first. So yeah. I would I would be suspicious that it wasn't getting enough water. Yeah. So so the fruit drops. Um before it and they just said it was a disease in the in the roots. Yes. Well, that's a new one on I me. Mean, I can't think what it might be that would no, just.
3: I, I wasn't. I wasn't happy with what she told me about it, so that's why I've wronged you up about
1: it. Yeah, right. It's another thing for me to have a think about then, isn't it? <laughs> In the next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's an interesting one, Deborah. Yeah. Yeah. Let me think about it, and I'll um I've. I've written it down and I will have a more think about that and I'll have ask a couple of uh, colleagues and see what they think. But I, I can't believe that to dig it up is the first thing that you would do. That's not what I would do. No, okay.
3: It's
1: not what I do okay, Deborah, thank you for your call there.
3: Thank
1: you. Okay, bye bye there. And we now go to Ron in Brentwood. Hello, Ron. Hello, buddy. You are... you got, I think you got your radio on, haven't you, Ron?
7: Yeah, I'll turn it off, here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Right, we're talking Mandevilles.
8: I don't know if it's the right name. The guy who sold me the plant said it's a called a Mandevilla. Uh, yeah, they got right, what
1: colour? What colour flower? Red Pink trumpets. Red Pink. trumpets. Yep, and it's got a, a is, quite a harsh leaf. It's got not a, it's a fairly thickish green leaf. Yeah,
7: that's right. That's right. Yep. What, like. what would you well, like to a couple know? Of things. One, it's in a pot. Yep. Two, is it hardy? Three, is it perennial?
8: And four, what do I do with the climber that's coming out of it?
1: Right, okay. It's a climber, it is not hardy. Therefore you can't leave it outside. Um right. uh, it is a climber. It's normally grown in a conservatory or in in the house. Basically, all I used to do is pot it up into a slightly bigger pot, perhaps run it up some canes, let it trail up some canes, and it will free flower on those canes. And then just stop it when it gets to the top and it's too big. Just nip them off with your fingers as the tips get to the top, and that will encourage it to grow and feed it with a good houseplant food. How about well, that?
8: Lovely, that's excellent. What I've been doing, i will put the fuchsia in me cold... Uh, conservatory. Yep. This would be okay to put in there yes, as well, yeah? Yes, it
1: should be as long as the temperatures don't die, you know, dive. Who knows what the winter's like but hopefully shouldn't be a problem.
7: Okay, that's it. Thank you.
1: That's a pleasure. And we go from Ron to Monica in Rayleigh. Hello, Monica.
9: Hi, good morning. I'm uh, just ringing to find out about uh, my pear tree.
1: Yep.
9: It's uh William pear and apparently it's uh um dried up nearly a whole year so uh i watered it and watered it and it's not it's not bothered so i think i'm going to do that sugar business
1: now hang on has it got any leaf
9: no no leaf at all
1: it's dead then is if it? it has if it hasn't produced leaf in a year it is dead
9: Oh, but I break it off and it looks a little bit lively to me.
1: Oh, uh, well.
9: I don't know. But it's the same thing with the plums. The plums have done the same thing to the, uh, you know, this year.
1: Are they in a container or in, in the ground?
9: Oh, out in the garden. I've planted everything in the garden.
1: And they've got no leaves on them?
9: Well, no leaves on the, on the william. And uh, there's none on the uh, on the plums. But my cherries
1: were okay. Hang on. So when did the pear and the plum last have leaves?
9: Last year, I think.
1: But well, in theory, it, uh, and they, if they neither of those trees have produced leaf this year, they're pretty well dead. But if you say if you scrape the bark and it's still green underneath, they have got some life in it. The worst thing you can do is keep watering it. So don't. That's what I was doing. No. If you give it too much water, you will not help it at all. They can't get rid of the water because the leaf is where the water comes through as it grows. So you can't, don't keep flooding it. You will do it more harm than good. Okay.
9: Thank you
1: very much. Okay, that is Monica with a couple of trees with no leaves. And now we go to Lynn. Sorry to have kept you waiting, Lynn. That's okay, you can. Now, what are we talking about today with yourself?
10: Um, I've got a problem with my Acer. Mm-hmm. It's the Acer palmatum. Yes. Um, it's about 30 years old, just over. Um, last year, some of the branches were bare. They didn't have any leaves on at all, whereas the top, you know, was had leaves and the branches at the bottom. This year, even more le- uh, branches have been bare of leaves. OK, don't is it... I know what's wrong.
1: Well, is it in a container? Because basically it's, it's dying... A, yeah. yeah, it's in a tub. It's in a tub. Right, it's yeah. dying back. How long has it been in that tub, Lynn?
10: Um I don't know. We have sort of changed it sort of as it's grown, obviously, over the right. years.
1: When was it last um, changed? Just to give us a clue.
10: probably... Probably about four years. Four or five years. years. No,
1: that's all right. That's OK. OK. Um, have you moved its position, or is it in the same position?
10: No, it's been in this position for years. It's quite a nice um, sort of... It's on the patio, but in, like, a corner right. where it's protected from do you, wind.
1: Do you prune it at all or not?
10: No, I, I didn't know that you could prune.
1: No, you them. prune to shape, and that's all. you best to no, leave them alone. No, okay, it's
10: always been beautiful. Right. Ken, do you think the pot is big enough that I've got... it's When I measured it, it's 21...
1: Wide, twenty-one inches wide. That's not massive, is it? And how big's the how big's the Acer? How high?
10: Eight
1: foot. Oh, too small a pot.
10: Too small.
1: Too yes. small a pot. So, pl- re- repot it in the autumn. Autumn,
10: right?
1: Yeah. Um, you could use a John Innes uh, Ericaceous compost. I think I'd put it into if I c- if you can if yeah, you can find that.
10: that's what we've always... Yep, okay. When we change the pots, we've always good. used that.
1: Do that. See, it's a, a good, well-drained uh, container.
10: Right.
1: And pot it into that, and then also, in the winter period, cut off all that dead and keep it clean, nice and clean. All right?
10: Really? All those yeah. branches, cut them off? If they're,
1: if they're not producing leaf, get rid of them.
10: Yeah. Because yeah, you I don't want disease. The leaves wouldn't no. come back on no, there. If, no, if, well, you can
1: scrape the bark just if it's green underneath. Yeah, but it well, sounds... I haven't
10: done that, Ken, but I could try yeah. that. Sounds... Yeah. So how much bigger should I have the tub? Because I say um, 21 if it's 21 wide you need a... 17 inches deep.
1: You need you need two and a half feet across pretty well. I mean, something eight foot, you might even put in a half a barrel. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, lovely. You... All right.
10: But those branches... Get rid of them. In the middle of it, they won't, yeah, just cut them off in the autumn, Ken.
1: Yep, in yeah. the autumn. Do it all in the autumn and get that get that plant growing. It's as good as that. We'll be back to those calls and texts in just a little while. But come on, I've got a final few tips that you could be getting on with in the garden. Now, we've talked a bit about Peaches, nectarines, earlier on, keeping them free of peach leaf curl, apricots, plums, all those fruits are normally trained against fences and walls. Now, when you've picked those peaches, which of course we've been doing in the last few weeks, oh, aren't they delicious? I'll tell you what, I still think the easiest fruit to grow, and that's apricot. Uh, I've been training some of those on the walls, and uh, it's important that those long leaders are trained, especially if it's a young plant. Uh, let's look at young plants first. You train the long leaders along. Some of them you might be fan-shaped. I've got one with a garden that's a fan-shaped one. I've got another one that's being trained as an espalier, which means that it goes in straight lines along several lines or pieces of cane and then you train the long ones along now when you pick the fruit you'll find that you've got little side shoots now those side shoots need to be shortened back to about well about four buds and those buds those ones will be the ones that you're encouraged your fruit buds from so it's really important but that's the side shoots only and in other words if you're training it keep training it and you won't get quite as much fruit most likely let's look at established ones because those you've established your main leaders you've got your shape of your tree and you've got lots of new growth coming out and particularly where fruit has grown again go right across the front cut stuff that's coming out and forward cut stuff that's going too high uh, cut that hard back And I will cut back to two or three buds from the main stem, and that will encourage even more fruit buds for next year. So that's apricots, plums, peaches, nectarines, all those stone fruits. And it's important that if you've got stone fruits in your garden, eating green gauges and Victoria plums, it's important that you do those as well at this time of the year. Because if not a lot of the bacterial canker can get in if you prune them in the winter time. So remember, stone fruits, cherries as well, all done this time of the year. Now, let's uh, think of a couple of other things. Uh, well, mainly is the herbaceous border. I like to cut back dead plants at this time of the year. Particularly, I mean, think of, Some of those plants that have gone over. The flowers have finished. But you can still encourage a bit of new growth. We're only in August. We've got a long time yet of summer. Well, I hope so, anyway. Geraniums, that's that hardy geranium. Cut those back a little bit. You'll find there's lots of new growth from the centre. Nepetas, I cut those back about a month ago. But if you haven't, cut them back now. There's some great varieties out there. Look for one called Kit Kat. Absolutely phenomenal. Really good looking one. Um, the Rudbeckias are looking absolutely marvellous at the moment. But again, as they fade, get rid of them. They look scruffy. They do in my book anyway. Also look for dead and dying leaves. Acanthus and plants like that have got a lot of rotten leaves around the bottom. Get rid of them. Tidy up that garden and keep it looking fresh and summery. As we're going to have, yes, let's hope, a long, long summer yet. Now let's look at some of those events around the county. And at the end of this piece, I'll remind you of how you can send your events in. We can pop them on the podcast and get more people along to it. Let's start with the... uh the events of Garden Open to the Public for the National Garden Scheme. Let's start off with Dean Court, Chignall Road, Chelmsford, CM12JQ. Friday the 23rd of August, admission £3.50, maintained and designed compact little garden, 250 square yards actually. And the owner is Sheila Chapman and she is well known for being a retired grower of Clematis, so if you want Clematis expertise, go along to Dean Court, Chignall Road uh, well worth having a look at. Also, 22 New Road in Dagnham, a new one this is, this is, RM10 9NH Saturday the 24th and Sunday the 25th of August £4 pound admission, children free it's an exotic garden and it's themed on the foothills of the Himalayas, as in India this garden is like nothing else you've ever seen. Gingers, bananas, all that sort of thing. Well worth going and having a look. So they are RM109NH. See if there's anything else there. No. And then we move on to a reminder of Mark's Hall Gardens and Arb- Arboretum. Brown Signs, CO61TG. Beautiful heritage garden. And remember, it's the largest collection of Wilhelmina. Pines in Europe. Families will love to go to Hyde Hall. There's still the giant caterpillar to celebrate. 50 years since the very hungry caterpillar was written. Willow sculpture and 3D of apples and pears, Creep Hedge Lane, Rettenden. CM38RA. Yes, that's the RHS Hyde Hall Gardens. Uh, let's move on as well to. Uh, Let's see whether there's any August ones here. August, August, August 24th to 27th, the annual flower festival at the Parish Church of St Peter in Coggleshaw. Um, that's well worth going and have, having a look at. And on the Sunday, there's a concert. Sorry, concert on the Saturday uh, by Andy Wiltshire. £12 a ticket for that. And you need to ring 07974. 802304 26th of August on the Monday the Brightlingsea Horticultural Society hort and produce show prize giving at 3pm starts at 10:30 outside stalls lots going on down there as well I think we've missed that one that's a oh no and then the 5th of September a bit of advanced warding there Westburg old gardeners are uh, taking a a trip if you're interested to Bressingham uh, if you'd like to call Shirley Notes on one 206 2405 that's a trip with the West Bergholt Gardeners Club. Give her a call, Thursday the 5th of September. You've got time to book that one in as well. Uh, so plenty going on. Uh, 21st of August, Bee and Butterfly Walk, Tiptree Heath. Tiptree Heath Nature Reserve, 2 to 2.30 on the 21st of August, CO5 OPT, 22nd of August, 10 till 12 and one thirty till 3.30, uh, a mini beast hunt with the Essex Wildlife Truff at Fingeringhoe Wick Nature Reserve, South Green Road, CO5 7DN. This one does need booking, 01 729 678. 24th of August, the Coggeshall Flower Festival, uh, that's till the 27th at St Peter's Church, 10 till 5. So there you are. there's plenty going on around the county. Just a reminder of where you can send those events and you send them along to Ken Crowber at ken.crowber at bbc.co.uk or... Send them by post to Ken Crowther, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2, 9XB. Oh, and there's a Pine Workshop, Cotonia, Colchester Bonsais, Pine Workshop, 2nd of September, Mark's Tay Parish Hall, London Road, Mark's Tay. Get along there if you're keen on that sort of thing. I did the Fearing commercial, didn't I? Did I do the Fearing Fearing and Kelvin an annual garden show. I just slipped this one in. 31st of August. Fearing Community Centre, CO5 9B. 2 p.m. till 4:30. Admission a pound. There are lots going on. Go and join them. Keith in Rochford, what are we talking about, Keith? Snails. Yes, what would you, you like know, to? Learn? I've
0: never known a year when I've had so many snails in the garden. <laughs> I can I just can't believe it. I mean, I use slug and snail killer. Round the uh, sprinkled around the the crops to protect them, but I can go out most evenings and on the grass I can pick up a dozen large snails every night. Where are they coming from? Why we got so many at the moment?
1: Well, you've got good breeding conditions, especially in this last few weeks, where we've had this sort of a damp, coldish, coldish conditions. You're going to get a lot of snail. no reason unless your hedgehogs have gone down because hedgehogs and um attack snails as well. Yes, we um p- perhaps we've lost a few hedgehogs as well. I think that's yeah. the only reason. And as long as you're nice and careful with the killer, you know, with the snail and slug baits you're using, that's fine. Right. No real reason, Keith. So
0: I pick Nature. Them up and uh, they where, go for a flight.
1: Where do you where do you send them actually? How far away? <laughs> Um, I only ask that because they can travel up to a couple of miles to get back to where they started.
0: One of, one of our neighbours has got a wild patch.
1: Is it a long way away, though? Because if not, they'll return to where they came from.
0: Is that right? Yes. Oh, no, I wasn't joking. The
1: no, they're <laughs> incredible. Snails and slugs will travel. They really do. <laughs> really? Yes. Up I'm to not two miles? Yes, a couple of miles they'll travel.
0: God, dear, oh,
1: dear. So they could be coming back for more, Keith. See, you never know where your snails have been, do you? Uh, there's a thought for you. Let's now go to Word to talk aces. Is
6: that right, John? Good morning, Ken. I've forgotten the name of your colleague. There
1: isn't a colleague. It's just uh, me, so don't worry uh, about it. John, how are we going?
6: <laughs> right, I'm all right. Uh, one thing about snails... Can I just mention so.: Yes,
1: yes, quickly, because I've got a lot of calls. <laughs> right,
6: I use uh, old cider for them, and there's a nice way to go.
1: It is, isn't there? Nothing like a bit of cider. How? Anyway, what's up with your Acer?
6: Right, down the bottom of the trunk, it's only a small Acer, about probably seven foot, high, eight foot. Yep. Um, there's some little white spots, and further up you get slightly bigger ones, which are a bit cotton woolly. And also I've got a few leaves, not many, that have gone a whitey colour and something is chewing, them at, chewing at them because they've got... Right, like you, a, well,
1: you're getting, you've got lots of things then going. If you've got pistules, it could be one of the... Uh, a fungal infection on the... On, is it on dead wood or live wood?
6: No, on the, on, on the live wood, the trunk OK,
1: itself. and it's, and it's, it's uh, slightly like cotton woolly sort of stuff?
6: Further up, they're slightly bigger, and they right. turn into cotton wool. We're now, the big. thing
1: is, on aces, you've got to be very careful what you use on them. You could use it on the stems. You could use Bug Clear Ultra to clear it off the stems, but don't use it on the leaf because it will burn. You've got to be right. careful. If you look on the bottles of those, it sometimes has an exception for aces, so be careful on that. Now, you mentioned the leaves are being eaten. Yeah. Um There's not much you can do about that. And at this time of the year, I wouldn't actually spray or do anything about it. I would just get rid of the stuff on the stems.
6: Right, Okay. All right. Thank you
1: very much. Okay, John. And we go to Jackie from Gallywood. Hello, Jackie.
3: Hello, Ken. I wonder if you can help. I live in a first-floor flat, but I love lavender. Can you recommend a lavender that would grow indoors if possible?
1: Indoors. I mean, well, in theory, you might be able to grow some of the French lavenders indoors, but they they won't like it. They won't be happy.
3: Right. Okay. They do Let's... need a,
1: You haven't got a balcony or a no. No, I don't
3: have a balcony or anything.
1: No. I mean, try French lavender. They're they're one of the softer varieties, and they produce, They like warmer conditions, but I still don't think they're going to do very well unless you've got a very cool room that you can grow it in.
3: Right, OK, I'll give them
1: a try. Thank you for your help. OK there, Jackie. Thank you very much indeed. And we go to Kevin in Ipswich. Kevin, what can we do for you with your bamboo?
0: Yeah, I bought some bamboo in pots um, early in the year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, they look like they're suddenly dying. Have you, kept
6: them,
1: have you kept them well watered?
0: Yeah,
6: yeah, we have. It um, uh, just makes it look pretty much dead, you know.
0: That's no real, real I mean, in body. theory,
1: in theory, a bamboo, as long as you keep them well watered, um, you you shouldn't have any major problems.
0: No, oh, well, that that do not look very good at all. I got I got about six plants. Um Ooh. and and, and that's are
6: they, uh, are,
1: so. they in, are they in the same size pot as you bought them?
0: No, they're they're in the ground now.
1: They're in the ground. Okay. Did you plant Did yeah. you plant them straight in the ground?
0: It's right in the ground, yeah.
1: And they've died.
0: Well, I've got about two. Two look quite healthy, and the the rest look pretty poor.
1: And have you watered them and f- tried feeding them at all, and put compost around them when you planted them?
0: Um, yeah, I put plenty of compost in, in in the hole before I planted them. Yeah. Ah, well you th- oh. it,
1: what soil are you got? What sort of soil up there in Ipswich you got? Uh,
0: ours, that's very light. light. light it
1: is yeah. light. Now, as long that as it's light. light, sounds sounds like a water problem, Kevin. I would yeah. try giving them a good dose of water on a regular basis and see if they'll come back.
0: Yeah? Um, yeah. Would you try feed them, feeding them? No. If there's no, no green,
1: you're wasting your time feeding because it can't use the food.
0: Okay. All right. right.
6: Yeah, okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And we go to Far. Is that Far from South? Hello? Hello. Is it Far? Have I got the name right? Donald Far. Hello there. How can we help you?
0: Well, they say strawberries last three good seasons. At least, had yes. a sort of fantastic crop this year, the good. second year. Yep. Now, they say the third year it'll be lighter. Now, if I keep feeding them with potash, yep. will they keep going? Because it's going yes. to be a struggle to keep replacing them.
1: Yeah, my dad used to grow strawberries year on year on year, and all we used to do is take some of the runners off. You know the runners that will come off them? Yes. Where they root, what he used to... Have you got room to put another line in or not?
0: Well, I could put them between the others. Yeah, then.
1: I mean, he used to just add another line of strawberries in, but we used to grow strawberries, not for three years. We used to used to hardly ever dig them up. And, in, uh-huh. in fact, all that happens is the fruits deteriorate. They don't, they're not as large. They're not as bold. Ah. Uh-huh. So you'll still get fruit. I
0: see, yes, yes.
1: And as long as you look after them and feed them, you're fine.
0: Okay, thank you. I'll do my
1: best. Do your best and let us know. You can send us in a big punnet if you get enough. (laughs) All right. All the best. Thank you. And I got sent a lovely picture from I think it was Peter sent it from Black Notley, and he said, he said he first his question was, "What's happening to my son's dwarf beans?" You see, and uh, he answered his son and said, "Oh, it looks like slug damage." You see, and then they decided, "No, no." It could be, uh, you know, four legs and a fluffy tail because literally the beans have got the ends bitten out of them completely. Anyway, it wasn't that either. It was their dog. It was a King Charles Spaniel that obviously fancied beans. So how about that for one? (laughs) There's there's one that's a little bit different. Spaniels eating beans. Now let's uh, just look again at... um, at uh, something that's going on here. Um, We had an answer back from Norbert. He was talking about his tomato plants. Um, He said, is there anything the lower leaves are curling and dying when when we bought them? Somebody mistaken. They weren't fed for a couple of weeks. Um, Anyway, is there anything he can do to help his plants? And The answer is no. You know, your plants were... Are struggling a bit all you need to do is keep up that regular food on a regular basis and you shouldn't have any problems particularly if that helps, that's all you can do Norbert that's, uh, that's unfortunately how plants work and of course this year is a bit strange right we've had another an email from Pam she's sent in a question do you know what this plant is and she sent me a nice picture and that is lycestrus. Now, lycestrus is often called pheasant berry. Um, it is an attractive plant. The leaves in the summer aren't fantastic, but it's got a lovely purpley-pinky flower, and then it produces a line of blackberries. Now, the blackberries, I think it's called pheasant berry because it was sometimes grown for pheasant food, so that's one of the reasons it was grown like that. So, again, it's it's Lysestrus, Often called pheasant berry, it's an attractive shrub, will grow up to about three foot high by about three foot wide, well worth growing, and I hope that helps you, Pam. That's on emails. Um, Yes, the armchair gardener's been at it again, but he's um, he's asking about aquarium plants, and he said that you can get an infestation of snails into your tank by buying aquarium plants. The answer is that really... There's most likely tiny, tiny uh, young snails sometimes on those aquarium plants. I don't have, haven't had an aquarium for years. I had one when I was a kid, but I didn't get attacked by um, lots of infestations of snails in those days. And uh, I would guess that you can rinse the weed off carefully before you add it to the aquarium. That's the only way I can think of cleaning it off. Austramia is when they finish flowering. That is Anne. Uh, What do I do next, first time I grew them in containers? I would just cut back the flowering stems and let them get on with it. It's as easy as that with those. Um, Hibiscus. Now, hibiscus um, only produced one flower. Uh, It's a little unusual. Remember, they flower late. Any reason for it? Plants are funny things. There is no reason for anything with a plant. It really isn't. All I can suggest is that next year, To encourage growth, you could give it a potash feed, something like a tomato food, quite early on because, remember, they don't produce their leaf until the leaf is not produced, let's face it, until May and the flower is produced later. So start feeding it in April with a high potash feed and that should work quite well. Now, we've had a question from Christine as well. Now, Christine is asking about a fig tree that's quite close to a house. Um, It's been cut down... Uh, by the previous occupants and now it's nine foot tall. Well, and will it affect the foundations? I cannot answer that on air. You would be best to go to your local tree officer at the local authority and just question it with them because they are the people who actually give the right answers regarding trees and shrubs against houses. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. And remember, if you have a gardening question for us, give us a call 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme. That's Saturdays. Yes, every Saturday from 11 o'clock.